Boobity pop 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 Like, why is everybody, once they approach a horse, all, whoa, easy, no, it's like, just talk to it like a normal, like a normal guy, and maybe you could act like it'll feel included in regular conversation, like, please stop, please stop. (laughs) Stop A horse is amongst the most normal guy of animals that I can think of. Yeah, they're like the baseball player. Very regular. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. When people do baby talk to animals, it actually makes me fucking, ugh. That's cross-wires. Because not Holy. only are you doing baby talk, you're talking to an animal, which mm-hmm. absolutely cannot understand you. In all likelihood, if you're the sort of person who's doing baby talk to an animal, it's probably a dog. Uh, uh, wolf. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Imagine being a baby, and then you see your mom talking to people, and then she just turns to you and starts speaking in a completely different language, like drooling on you. Imagine you're a baby and your mother or father just starts barking at you like a dog. <laughs> it's exa- it would be exactly like that. It's horrifying. It's like, what the fuck? Why not just... Here, eat this. Oh, you, can eat- you can be nice. You can be kind. I've always wanted to have a horse eat a lump of sugar out of my hand. Never happened. Mmm. Or like a peppermint. That's disturbing. Seeing feeding horses mints and hearing them like, it's like, God knows Arabian horses back in the day were not like enjoying eating peppermints. I don't think that this is like <laughs> eating part- a bunch of trident gum. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> Ali Khan's horse is blowing oh, a he bubble. Loves gum. Yeah. Uh huh. My dog's favorite color is pink, and that's why I feed him Big League Chew for dinner. <laughs> uh huh. Well, his name is Slugger, so we instead of feeding him that blue buffalo crap, we give him a big bowl of great big league chew. <laughs> that dang uh yeah, they say um there's whole uh there's no grain. What do I give a fuck what my dog eats? I just give him candy. He loves it. <laughs> um are you are you a gum swallower? Is this how, how what's your take on my no. my take on gum? The fact that I only <laughs> swallow gum and I think spitting out gum is so asinine. <laughs> Did you say what's my take on your take on yes. gum? <laughs> my take on your take is that uh, that is fucked up. Once I, f- when I was probably in tenth grade, I saw gum in my poop and I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh nope, never again." That I maybe talked about this on the podcast before. That's how I got addicted. I, I That's mean, the deal. Truly, if you if you eat a whole big one of those like resealable like big packs, it's like sixty pieces of gum or whatever. And that's like all you eat in a day. You will the next day take a shit that I, I, I kid you not. I shit you not. No pun intended. Will be uh-huh. 60 like individual little like lumps. It's amazing. You can count them. Going out. <laughs> it's incredible. So you're, you're more interested in the phenomenon of eating and seeing it come out than you I mean, are your yeah. own health. Well, I find uh-huh. it to be a very pleasurable experience, honestly, chewing and swallowing gum, particularly if it's like no. a bubble tape, oh, yeah. a, a bigly chew sort of a situation. But no, <laughs> yeah, no, uh-huh. like I, I'm very interested in foods that leave your body intact. I, I find that really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, what will they think uh, of next? I know you're not kidding. Like this I'm not. Is not I'm not at all. Not I have never spit out a piece of gum in my life. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember it was it was probably like this is probably late Obama presidency. I remember it like him uh-huh. getting a bunch of shit because he was like chewing gum during some meeting with like a head of state. I've never understood the whole chewing gum being rude thing, and I've never understood mm-hmm. the whole spitting your gum into your hand or like sticking it under a fucking table or something being the norm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do we still believe that like watermelon seeds make one grow in our fucking stomach? The fact that this gum <laughs> thing is persistent. I don't know. Because... The fact that Rugrats has such a big, big yeah. hold over like our medical knowledge is really alarming. <laughs> Yeah, back in the 50s, they thought <clears throat> smoking was good, eating watermelon seeds is going to have you grow on in your belly. Insane. I, I just think we should we should move on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, The Heartbreak Kid. Shane, what'd you think? The ha- Heartbreak Kid. What you gonna do? Heartbreak Kid. It's a table for two. Heartbreak Break kid, they're getting divorced. Heartbreak kid, he's marrying a girl from the beach. Hell yeah. really know what to think it's very strange um it's yeah i don't know if i like it quite as much as a new leaf but once again it's just a movie that's just fucking firing on all cylinders every line every scene feels like perfectly calibrated there are very few directors who would sit on that bat uh that that dinner scene toward the end for like 12 minutes um Mm. and just kind of watch ups and downs uh uh, this conversation um, there are very few characters who would give us enough time to um, kind of start to empathize with both characters in the situation. Uh-huh. Um, th- there are a few directors who would let Charles Grodin dig himself in as deep a hole as he does oh and then still be God. the focal point of the film. Um, like, like like the dinner scene, for example, like a hackier director would have throughout been like cutting back and forth to like appalled diners. And she does a little bit mm-hmm. of that. But for the most part, we are just sitting there watching Charles Grodin sweat and like mop his weird toupee brow. Oh, my God. What an unusual. He's got an unusual presence, Charles Grodin. I really, really kind of love him. I think this is probably the first thing I'd ever seen him uh, starring in. I watched this for the first time, probably senior year of college. Oh, Really? Um, I was struck by how much it seemed to reflect my relationship at the time. We were both kind of loud, obnoxious people who were given to, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, phrases that mean nothing, <laughs> singing at all hours. So the early, the uh, early scenes of this marriage, were, really, yeah, that's mm-hmm. I can vouch for that. Mm-hmm. It was a we lot both of were like, like, oh no, buy me a cord. <laughs> There's a lot of just like, how much is that dog in the window? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh huh. My whole life was basically the road trip between <laughs> New York and Virginia for uh, <laughs> for four years in, in a good way, but uh, you know, much like yeah. uh, much like in this film, it soon spelled disaster. Uh, soon we hit a fork in the road, and we're not using that fork to eat a nice slice of pecan pie. Let me tell you that. Oh man, don't don't even make, don't remind me. Um, so we should note to to our listeners that this movie, to my knowledge, has never gotten like a home media release, at least not a DVD and or Blu-ray. Um, That's so wild. Watched it on YouTube. Yeah, I have no idea why. This is apparently the one film of hers that she's like happy with how it turned out. Um, apparently, huh. Neil Simon was really kind of um, possessive of the script. Like, was not was was not uh, too cool with her. He's 
playing with it in any way. This, this is only really, uh, guy right. who wrote the play. Um, I think it's just an original screenplay from him, though he was most famous as a playwright. Um, and you know, gotcha, like Nichols, gotcha. the other subject of the series, directed a lot of his plays. Um, he interestingly gets credited first. I think it was really kind of sold as a uh, as a Neil Simon product. Mm-hmm. Um, did, I, I'm wondering my, my one thing because we had to watch this on YouTube, um, and I hope us saying that doesn't get it taken down um, when you yeah. know bots stream through this. Uh, my one question was did the did the beginning seem really abrupt to you it literally is just him like pulling up to a place where he's trying to ply his sporting goods there's no there's no real introduction to the character oh which i kind of like because he's someone without an identity in that version of the movie he has like no personality of his own he has no identity i kind of like that i hope that that's really how the movie starts no (laughs) it's just him in action we have no background so like it's only we're only given him in the um like in motion and not like ever being contemplative, which is a really bizarre choice. I feel mm-hmm. like uh, in what we've seen of Elaine May, she like f- she gets a gets an idea or like finds a mood and just and you and that kind of pervades every scene, and uh, that's definitely happening here. But I can't really put my finger on what she's like. Some she's she every every scene has him kind of digging himself deeper and like uh kind of like trudging ahead despite every every like sane person saying like no are you out of fucking (laughs) mind and it's it's a really strange way of making a movie because nothing kind of settles into like, oh, this is where the movie's going to go from this point. Or like, he doesn't even, it it all seems like kind of act one or something. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're being introduced to what this movie's about and then it ends. There's literally never a moment of peace. Um, he's, he meets, <laughs> he meets Jeannie Berlin's character during this kind of opening montage set to the great song, which I was, I guess it's just called the theme from the heartbreak kid, according to the credits. He meets Jeannie oh, Berlin, wow. and they have this like very brief meet cute. We see them go on like three dates, uh, and then we find out they're not going to sleep with each other until they're married. Um, uh-huh. I mean, we're thrown right into that. We we don't get it, it's throughout the film. We find out that neither of them really knows anything about one another, and it's part of the reason their relationship was doomed. And we never learn anything about either of them. We are yeah through the early moments of their relationship, finding out everything that's annoying, uh, everything that's insufferable about both of them. Oh um, my god! And to your point, we never see him actually formulating, hatching, drawing out a plot. He's just constantly in motion, constantly finding out new just ways to, fly, to contrive yeah. a crazy story. And like I was saying earlier, like it just perfectly—and it's a great performance from Grodin—just perfectly captures the particular mania you are in when you are digging yourself deeper and deeper into a lie, especially a <laughs> stupid one, right? Like you're, you're getting snappish at people. You're getting really defensive about the lie. You're ready to defend yeah. it at your own peril. Like, well, perfectly see, captures that. Yeah. He is a type. I don't, he's not like a type of person, but he exists in this way that I know exactly <laughs> what he's, what it's like to be in his position. And I can't, point to a specific instance where this has happened but i've definitely been like in positions in a relationship where i'm in that position whether it's meeting girlfriend's parents or like just telling a a blatant lie and having to defend it there's that one scene that's really kind of 
amazing where he tells he comes back so okay this movie's about charles groden getting married to this woman going on his honeymoon and then within the first like within the drive going from like i guess new york to florida he's like oh this woman is fucking disgusting which we'll talk about how hilarious they they realize that uh in the movie and how kind of strange charles groden is uh and then he goes on his honeymoon in Miami. The first day, see, just sees this woman who's like, like alluring, and is like, "Oh, my marriage is off. I gotta marry this chick." And so he keeps running away to hang out with her while his wife like stays in bed all day during the honeymoon. And he comes back. He's like, "I was hit by an oil tanker. The, the car was crushed. Have you seen the news?" And then she's like, "Are you, Larry? Are you lying to me?" And for a moment, he looks at her and he's like, "Are you kidding me?" Takes up the phone. How could you? Yeah, starts dialing the police. It's like you have because of the absurdity of the lie. You have to like double down and yeah, you've got you've got to double down and make them the asshole. It's it's beautiful. (laughs) We've all done it, and it it almost never works. It's insane. Like it's an insane place to be. But he somehow Charles Grodin is the perfect guy to be in that position this entire movie. And he's also like really amorphous. I can't really say anything about who he is. He seems totally consumed by all the lies that he's telling that he doesn't even really have like a characterization outside of like his actions. Well, yeah, I mean, like we said, I, I, I kind of hope the movie really does that, that abruptly because we don't really learn anything about him besides the fact that he's basically ambitious, that he has sort of an idea of how his life is supposed to be. You know, when he meets Jimmy yeah. Shepard's character, he's like, well, you know, I've dreamed my whole life about a girl like you. So, yeah, he, he and Jeannie Berlin get married, uh, I guess we're supposed to understand, pretty shortly after they've met before they've really gotten to know one another. And they are driving down to their honeymoon in Florida and just really... I, I, I think these very early scenes of their driving down to Florida are great because they they do um, they, they do enough to get us somewhat on on Jeannie Berlin's side to to sort of empathize with her and also uh, I believe her character's name is Lila and they also show you that there is something there in the relationship um, them going back and forth like sim- singing Jimmy Crack Corn it's it's I don't know it's a sort of like goofy bullshit you do when you're in like a relationship and it's sort of fun oh, and it yeah. reads they're having a good time they're singing that coca-cola song that don draper wrote and then like uh. immediately once <laughs> immediately once they've had sex it's ruined i think that is such an amazing scene when she's like is it wonderful for you lennon is it wonderful oh no, my is it god yeah and this is really how she talks by the way that was not an anti-semitic uh caricature um, I've often wondered if Jeannie Berlin's voice is her real voice. I don't know if you've seen her in more recent <laughs> films, but she has a very like aggressively nasally voice, much more pronounced than in uh, in this film. Like if you've seen her in uh, Inherent Vice or Margaret, uh, uh-huh. her her voice has only gotten more nasal with age. She, I feel like she kind of plays like a caricature in this, but I, don't, I honestly don't know much about her, so. I am um, well. I, I I think much like Henrietta in A New Leaf, I think she gets a couple scenes to sort of humanize a character that could otherwise be so broad. I mean, I think the ending in particular, but or her final scene, I should say. Um, I, she also keeps reminding Leonard of just how much time they're going to have to spend with one another. He says something like, "Well, you get a lousy voice," and she says, "Well, you're just going to have to get used to it over the next forty or fifty years." Uh, and then just like keeps saying that. <laughs> And every time, like, something happens, every time he gets more and more irritable, he'll just say, like, oh, I'm always quiet at night. Oh, I'm always quiet in the morning. Oh, I've got a very sensitive chest. <laughs> like, always oh always coming up with God. new reasons to put some sort of, like, distance between them. And she is looking for every uh-huh. possible opportunity to remind them, like, hey, you know, we're stuck together, Leonard. This they see that old forever. couple in the restaurant. 
Um, there's the uh-huh. bit where she's eating the egg salad sandwich, just oh, horrifyingly. Golden. Now, egg salad is up there for me with lunch meat uh, on the list of the very small list of things that I would truly rather be torn apart by horses than eat, honestly. Uh. <laughs> uh, and that seems the great effect here. Although, do you notice how quickly their food, not to be the CinemaSins guy, but do you notice how quickly their food came out when they ordered? If your food comes out that quickly, buddy. Seconds. <laughs> Buddy, you guys... Buddy, it's been sitting. Buddy, that's the one they got in the display case. <laughs> the 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 scene is shot. All the eating scenes and any scene where they're, I guess, eating or at a restaurant is like, like kind of a little too long. But the egg salad in a great way. Uh, the egg salad scene is one of my favorites. Uh, she, the uh, Charles Grodin's like, I'll have a hamburger and a coke, and the waitress is like, Okay, and what will you be having, honey? And she's like. I'll have fanning through the menu, going through the pages. Uh, double milkshake and taking another minute. Charles Grodin is just staring at her like, just fucking order. And she's like, uh, double egg salad. Like, takes forever. And it's just like mildly annoying at the beginning. And then she starts eating the egg salad. And it is the most vile fucking thing. She's like, I'm an egg salad nut. You're going to have to get used to it. Like, with a mouthful of egg salad. It's all over her face. He's like, You've got egg on your face. She's like, Do you want a bite? Somehow, Elaine May knows exactly the worst parts of eating with another person mm-hmm. and exploits that to a uh-huh. high degree here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, later on with the lobster, too. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, and Charles Gordon, without overplaying it, just gets this look of like mortification on his face. Just a he glare. is so fucking yeah, good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of strange to me that like Charles Gordon is kind of painted in, I guess, like a like he's a total piece of shit, but in the beginning he's painted in like the good guy light, where sh- where his wife is kind of like the super annoying strange mm-hmm. one. Um, but he quickly turns into the monster, and we end up kind of sympathizing with the with the wife when Charles Grodin is being a huge uh, dunce. Yeah, I mean, I was reading some of what uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum had to say about May, and I, he calls her a full on like dangerous filmmaker for for the degree to which she's willing to let us kind of live with two insufferable characters and start to empathize with both <laughs> of them. Um, That's great. I um, there's um, there's that weird zoom when they finally get out to the beach where Elaine May kind of like zooms into the sun. Into I the sun. I guess I took that to be like, yeah. like it's almost like. I, there, there's something almost like magical there, there's almost a magical realism to it there's almost like a supernatural element as if like he's uh-huh. become a different person in this space can you imagine being built like charles groden and spending three years in the army he makes a big deal out of the fact that he was in the military <laughs> oh my <laughs> god he's a real fucking scrawny bastard holy god, shit I wish, I, he's wish I had his cramped. build <laughs> <laughs> when he was prancing around on the uh he, he he's got like an old guy head but like a 14 year old's mm-hmm. body yeah, he looks like weirdly like his body looks like Chris Evans in the beginning of Captain America before he's become like Captain America. <laughs> like it looks like they weirdly put someone else's face on like this strippy little body. Yeah, because he has a weird so prematurely aged face too. Yeah, but he, I guess they're like supposed fun. to be in the early twenties. Yeah, but, uh, she's twenty two. She does not look twenty two. I hate to say it. Yeah, I don't. It's something that always. It weirds me out. I mean, I I guess I could look up. Now we don't do research no. on this podcast. I could look up <laughs> when Jeannie Berlin was born and see uh, if I, it adds I feel up. Like people in uh, 
people during that time were eating too much corned beef and it aged them to mm. like their 60s oh, when they were like 25. Yeah. yeah. Ham steaks and stuff, yeah. <laughs> so he meets he meets um Civil Shepherd's character Kelly, although I don't think he's got her name yet. Well, he he runs out of the beach while his wife Lila is fixing her hair. I love not to keep harping about actors' hair. I love Elaine May's hair or Jeannie uh, 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 Berlin's hair in this movie. Uh, really great stuff, and she's just doing this like insane like curl with it for for minutes, minutes, and she keeps going. Oh, just two more minutes, Leonard. Two more minutes. Uh, again, just a scene she lets like sit just long enough. Really, just perfectly calibrates it to the point where we're as annoyed as Leonard is, and we're like just fucking itching to get anywhere else. Um, he meets Chibble Shepherd, and his eyes fall out of his head like a like a Tex Avery wolf. He he all but does the whistle. Um, is is instantly smitten. I I guess he's also supposed to be Jewish because I think a part of uh, the appeal of of Sybil Shepherd and uh, her character and her whole lifestyle is the sort of uh, waspy blonde, uh, you know, quote unquote shiksa goddess sort of thing that Philip Roth writes about. (laughs) Um, Or wrote, I guess. Sorry, P. How does Charles Grodin have uh, the? I guess the only times we see him like genuinely being himself is when he's like kind of repulsed by his first wife. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the movie, he's just talking and there's no like seeing him from a distance. We just see everything from his perspective and it's so uncomfortable hearing him talk. It's so uncomfortable seeing people interact. Mm-hmm. I hate knowing that it's not going to get any, I knew watching it. I was like, this is just going to get worse. This is going to get uh-huh. more uncomfortable. I was going to say, it's got to be one of the earliest examples of what we would now call cringe comedy. And let me tell you, it's a whole lot funnier than The Office. <laughs> I just can't watch The Office. It just makes me cringe too hard. Oh, yeah. It's just so uncomfortable. It's so real. I feel like it's kind of a precursor to current rom- romantic kind of comedy movies that are just like uncomfortable or about people that are bumbling or, you know, even some mumblecore stuff where relationships don't just don't match up like this is just two failed love stories essentially and they're failing the entire time they don't like we never see like a happy couple besides like old people that are putting each other's coats on um but every every interaction between charles groden and and the woman he quote unquote loves is so imperfect and so unreciprocated um in the beginning when sybil shepherd is talking to him she's like very coy and like being very flirty but never like reciprocating his kind of advances and before they could even have like a normal conversation he's like asking her father for her hand in marriage mm-hmm. and like the the movie never resolves into what you would think it'd be, which is like some love story that eventually either fails or succeeds. It just like is like his pursuit of love and the the very strange interactions that he has in mm. on the way to that. I um I realize on, on the subject of its its influence on modern romantic comedies and some of the types therein. I realize there probably is no. Uh, remember when New Girl premiered and they were really jamming Adorkable down our throat? They were. Um, <laughs> Really trying to reinvent, uh, or uh-huh. I guess reintroduce Zoe Deschanel ten years after the fact. You know, we'd already seen her in Elf, buddy. We're bought in. 
Um, there's no, uh, there's no that, there's no, there's no that quality. There's no, um, uh-huh. that version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I don't think without the, uh, Manic Pixie Nightmare Girl that Elaine May had first invented with oh, the my. Relief and <laughs> this movie. Um, uh-huh. so that, yeah, he, he, he meets, um, Sybil Shepard, um, and, uh, his wife gets this horrible sunburn because she won't wear sunscreen. And, uh, it's basically looking like she's going to have to spend the rest of the, uh, honeymoon in the hotel, uh, recovering. Uh, so he goes down to the bar, runs into Civil Shepherd again. Uh, she's really like mean to him, like you said, but in this kind of like playful, like flirty way that he is just eating up, like 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 it was me at the Sofia Coppola buffet, truly just gorging himself on this like <laughs> light ribbing that he's getting from Civil Shepherd. There's these complete like one word answers he's getting to every question. <laughs> um, he uh, he comes back up from the bar and uh, she says like, "Oh, did you meet anybody?" And we get this, like, zoom. We get this, like, a lot like we would get a couple times in The Graduate. We get this very, like, subtle, like, zoom. Almost, like, not quite what you would see with, like, a vertigo effect, but the same sort of, like, oh. It's, like, representing his, like, stomach dropping. He's, like, completely just, oh, God, I'm about to shit my pants. And then I think that's when the wheel starts turning, that he's got to start coming up with these, like, crazy and crazy lies, crazier and crazier lies, because he kind of gets caught there. He sort of stumbles. He goes, like, no, no, I didn't, didn't meet anybody. Who would I meet? <laughs> Groden famously a bald guy who wears bad wigs um i think howard stern broke the news on his that. show that he was a toupee wearer and apparently it was somewhat controversial oh my God. and you can really kind of tell in this movie it looks bad it looks kind of like my hair uh when it gets like longish such a mop and um they draw a lot of attention to it like civil shepherd keeps touching his hair keeps like talking about it i'm like are they are we are we, is this like a knowing thing? Does he know that we know that it's a two? It could have been like a joke. <laughs> it could have it could have been Elaine May just con- like making a huge point to make him keep playing with his fucking wacky ass hair. Um, it's a nice two. He wears that stupid little choo choo cap too all the time. That like plaid little uh, choo choo cap. I love the um. I love the costumes and all the Miami <laughs> bullshit that goes on. All the fucking wrinkly ass old people. I love all the cabana wear. All of like the George Costanza's dad like outfits. I love the little like shorts people used to wear. The little like trunks. God, we gotta bring those back. See my fucking gams in a pair of <laughs> yeah. those. Good lord. Um, uh huh. <laughs> and he he meets her again. They they go. He he. Uh, while Jean Berlin Lila is upstairs recovering from the sunburn, like slathering herself in more and more cream. I like that we cut back just the once to her like slathering herself in cream while he's like frolicking around in the water with Civil Shepherd. He's getting very familiar for someone he met like twelve hours ago. Like literally like, picking up picking her up over his shoulder, like throwing her around. <laughs> he's like, yes, yeah, great. I love you. You're great. <laughs> Like tossing it's so her hair. funny to see, like the most beautiful woman on alive. This like sun kissed, like twenty one year old, and then his wife just covered in he comes in and she's like cream. Cakes. She's like I cream. I, <laughs> I like too, and she's like I'll put in that cream that stops you from swelling up. And he goes, "There's no such thing. They haven't even mentioned that yet." <laughs> Like just completely, just looking for any possible opportunity to shut her down. Always, he's always right in his conversations, particularly with, uh, particularly with uh, Lila. Uh, yeah, Civil Shepherd's character literally could not be hotter, especially because she's so mean. It's truly like the hottest thing on the planet. How mean she is! Um, she's wearing a football jersey with no yeah, pants. Oh, multiple mm, fucking bene. A cowboy's jersey, no less. Oh, I thought it might be the Baltimore Colts. 
But maybe it's uh maybe it's the Cowboys. Maybe it's the Colts. Um I um he 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 keeps trying to like force himself into um Civil Shepherd's character Kelly is there with her parents. Uh they're very like well-to-do folks from the Midwest. Uh her father is uh-huh. visibly disdainful of Charles Grodin even from afar. Just like oof. Again, I, I guess we're supposed to read that as like he doesn't like Jews because in a, almost immediately after she tells him, oh, we're, we're leaving. We're going to go stay at another hotel. Daddy doesn't like the element here, which I don't know, reminded me of Francine and Mad Men talking about going to Boca Raton and saying the mosquitoes weren't the only ones with big noses, I guess, is sort of what that reminded me of. Um, <laughs> Rat mouth, Florida. He, uh, he, he goes to like dinner with them and is just situated like right between the two of them and keeps trying to like ingratiate himself in like both of their conversations. I love when he pretends like he's going to pay oh the check. Oh, my God. <laughs> we were just talking about that today like pretending like you're gonna pick up the phone at work doing the same sort of like mm-hmm. oh yeah reaching for it yeah there's there's a few weird bits that don't get resolved which i guess is like elaine may's kind of signature from what i'm seeing is like she'll like start a bit or just have this gag kind of play out that doesn't is not a huge belly laugh but it's just like pretty fucking funny like anytime her dad's like uh what's her name kelly uh kelly kelly corcoran kelly and he'll be like every time he says it charles uh charles groan's like yeah and the dad's just like imagine well first of all imagine having so much disposable income and hating jews so much that you go on this probably quite expensive vacation from minnesota to florida and then just up and leave from the hotel you've decided to stay at to go find another change hotels yeah because of the guy that's like haranguing your daughter and his weird toop. Um, the the dad is so fucking good. So good. Oscar nominated, yeah. He has some of the... For this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and uh, Jeannie Brillen. No were way. Nominated. Yeah. Damn. This is an Oscar nominee. No love. Yeah. No love on the product... On the uh, d- distribution side of things. Isn't that kind of wild? Like, I, I mean, I feel like this... I mean, it was well known enough to get remade by the Farrelly Brothers. And Elaine May talked him out of leaving her out of all of the promotional material. Like, it's still called Neil Simon's The Heartbreak Kid for this awful remake that apparently features, like, Ben Stiller <laughs> shitting his pants. But, uh... Yeah, Elaine May managed to get is her name good? off of it. What, what is that? What is that? Is it good? No, it's supposed to be one of the worst... Uh, it was one of the worst movies of its respective year, certainly. I think it's mostly been forgotten. But um, mm. it's Ben Stiller. God, that's uh, Malin up. Ackerman plays the Ginny Berlin role, and I think Michelle Monaghan from uh, Television's True Detective is the uh, is the Kelly Corcoran of the story. Mm. Um, my favorite scene. Well, okay, I love the DEA bit mm-hmm. where Char- Charles Grodin is just such a fucking liar that at one point these two guys who are like um kelly's friends confront him and are like dude she doesn't want to hang out with you like fuck off because he goes to her hometown to like her college where she's like a sophomore and is like kelly kelly it's me from miami don't you remember and she's like yeah miami was fun but like whatever and then her her like boyfriend is like fuck off dude and he's like i'm in the <laughs> i'm with the uh, without missing a beat he's like i'm with the dea let me get that let me see that cigarette you're smoking can i see the pack like the one guy runs away and he's like, you boys have any, uh, anything you got to run from? Well, why don't you just walk then? Um, just lying out of his ass, like the entire way. Kelly doesn't 
seem to worry about that at all. Yeah, I, I guess even now watching this, I think this is the third time I've seen it, I still don't know what really to make of her character. Is this all just like a game to her? Because there's the great scene where he's like, quote unquote, laying his cards on the table in front of her dad. Again, another scene at like a dinner table that goes on for 10 oh minutes. God. And I, oh I, 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 on the train to work, I watched it again just so I could focus on her in particular in the background. Uh-huh. loving it and trying to pretend like she's not loving it like trying to she's like eating pretzels she's trying to like fidget around and not just, she's making weird faces she's trying she to not like make it some... obvious that she is she's clearly on like cloud nine watching charles groden get raked over the coals <laughs> <laughs> that scene he's like these are your cards or he's like yeah those are my cards and there's no jokers in that deck no jokers he's like is this you laying your cards on the table? He's like, I'm more shuffling right now. <laughs> he says shit like to the dad. Um, <laughs> he said, this this marriage was a Radio City Music Hall sized mistake. <laughs> like, I think he's trying to get on the level of the dad. Like, by he's talking in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Like, saying things like Radio City Music Hall. Because, like, oh, yeah, the dad will understand. He goes out to, like, bars and, like big kind of big city places he spends a lot of money i think it's um, also him trying to like big time him as a new yorker trying to be sort of like oh i can i can show oh, these midwesterners yeah. what a what a, what an urbane cosmopolitan type i am he's like he says the words in all candor sir and it's like how the fuck do you write that shit like thinking of him being the guy that's like chameleoning his way into this conversation with the girl's dad and every time the dad sees straight through all of his bullshit like charles groden will talk for a while and then the dad will just let him talk finally he's done talking he's like i've never heard such a crock of horse shit in my life which lands just so perfectly after seeing like him act like a fucking baboon this entire movie Mm. and the dad finally like lays into him at the end of the movie it is extremely satisfying saying like nobody wise guys my sweet baby (laughs) You want to see a brick wall, Larry? <laughs> You're talking to a very rich brick wall. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he keeps going on these sort of he keeps going out at night to spend time with Civil Shepherd and her family and telling Jeannie Berlin that he's first hanging out with this army buddy of his who is too coarse uh, for for her to meet. Then he says he's been in a terrible car accident and has spent all day in the hospital. Then he says he's mm-hmm. going to court. Um, when he's actually going out on the boat with Kelly and her family. I think that was probably my favorite bit is when he drives up just in the nick of time and is like trying to change into oh. his trunks in the car and they start pulling away from deck without him. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, from the, the dad dock. is like, get, the, get this boat <laughs> going. And, and, he's, he's, and he's running behind it. it. <laughs> just makes it and goes, thanks like, for waiting. <laughs> just in time. And they're like, huh. I, um... I, and then he um, he starts to talk the way Lila's been talking. He says something to Kelly like, uh, oh, three days, what do you get a load of the next 30 or 40 years? Um, oh, I, yeah, I, that was that a was fun a reversal. Strange, strange bit. I, um, I, it's just such, it's, it's among the best performances I've ever seen. Uh, it's, like, it's, it's not to talk about Don Draper again. It's up there with John Hammond Mad Men as someone who has flipped it and reversed it to such a fucking degree that they believe their own bullshit and will to uh-huh. the death defend these insane tales they've spun when he's like screaming at her about being in the hospital oh <laughs> are you gonna talk uh-huh. to the EMTs? 
to the the lengths to which he goes to lie to his wife and it's like then he's just propelled by the momentum of those lies that forces him to like force he forces himself into this new marriage immediately after getting married it's like there's something about how he gets into this habit of lying and then just his the the rest of his life is defined by these exact lies mm. i feel like i've been in a past relationship in this kind of situation of just like basically lying both to that person and to myself that things are working out Mm -hmm. and continuing to spin that lie for a very long time. I feel like a lot of long distance relationships probably have that quality or maybe that's just me and my uh, East coast sensibilities. Your, yeah, your, your New York, uh, that New York head of yours. Um, Um, uh, what, Would you agree? Have you felt this or not really? Oh, um, yeah, no, certainly. Um, I was going to say more in the sense that I'm just completely just, I, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever perpetuated, certainly not with such gusto, um, a lie quite as, um, I don't know, massive and elaborate as the stuff he's coming up with, nor I would hope mm-hmm. as potentially, uh, hurtful, but I, am um, yeah, right. I, I, I've built, uh, I've built friendships. I've built, I mean, I've. I've sustained just completely fucking meaningless lies just because I know that I introduced myself to people with this as like a fact and I've had to like keep that up. Yeah. I was going to say the most benign version of that is like pretending to have read certain books and then it gets more and more yeah, extreme yeah. from there, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Basically any entry level job shares this quality and that like you have to lie to get into it. You have to basically puff up your past experiences which are interning at a movie theater and uh and then sustain that lie for the rest of the time you work there mm-hmm. just hope never ever gets wise yeah <laughs> um and i guess the other option is i don't know retiring from public life like alec baldwin <laughs> remember when alec baldwin was right. on the cover of new york magazine saying i'm retiring from public life and then two weeks later was playing donald trump on snl again Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's ever, no one's ever command themselves with such gusto to a job. Not to say gusto twice on one podcast. Uh, no one has ever committed themselves to a job with such gusto that they claim to fucking hate. You know what? I- I'm going to yeah. go on the record here. I know this is a hot take, and this is an unpopular opinion. Fuck Alec Baldwin. Let's hear it. It's the f- oh. official real rap opinion. Man, I'm going to speak for someone you. Someone had to say it. <laughs> someone had to finally say it. Um, uh, I-, I feel like I've only just, like, until recently, had to. Because, okay, that like meeting your girlfriend's parents for me has always been like difficult. All of the girlfriends I've ever had, mm-hmm. because you can either be honest, which is, I I don't think neither me or they want the honest side mm-hmm. of me, which is I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know what I like. Um, I'm I'm very attracted to your daughter for reasons I don't want to tell you. Mm-hmm. So then you just end up, I don't know, lying about like how put together your life is mm-hmm. What's... because you're put in the situation of having to like explain yourself and how normal you are, I mm-hmm. guess. It's an inherently awkward situation meeting people who know nothing about you other than your name and the fact that you're having sex with their child. Right. I mean, it's. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you have to. uh the alternative is telling the truth, which um, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you yeah. on that. No, not once. Not a once. Um, I, I've never, I, I don't know that I've ever 
completely lived a lie to my significant other's parents. I mean, yeah, at least not, at least not in like a unique being... sense. <laughs> Only in the sense <laughs> that I was already living a lie in those relationships and in my in my daily life. But I, yeah. I remember completely showing uh-huh. my ass to to my high school girlfriend. I, won't, I guess I won't drop her names. Parents one time in a, in a fairly benign way. I just remember we were talking about like Albert Brooks, and I remember her mom asking like. Uh, so you, you you a fan of Albert Brooks's uh, films at all? And I was like, oh yeah, like broadcast news. Uh-huh. I love it. And I think she was talking about his directorial efforts, and I just completely completely showed my ass. Now that's uh, a yeah. that's a minor example, <laughs> the sort of thing I would, only I would really <laughs> worry about, but uh, it still keeps me up. I got to I got into Albert Brooks about two months ago, so I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. And uh, having a family member that would be into Albert Brooks movies is a completely alien concept to me. Mm-hmm. It's I I. I can very much see uh, Beep's parents watching those movies because they're like <laughs> just like smart mm-hmm. and uh, cultured. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so that's something I can relate to. Then is that it's a different? It's a different sort of a thing. Obviously, what what, what Lenny is aspiring to in his relationship with Kelly, and I'm using relationship uh-huh. in big scare quotes here, is a certain. Is he's aspiring to to something? He's aspiring to a certain status. I think he's aspiring to. Um, this sort of uh, Midwestern, down-home, all-American quality that uh, you know, uh-huh. Jewish American New Yorkers don't don't often have. I, I can relate in the sense that, like, <laughs> insofar as I've had major relationships, they've all been somewhat aspirational because I've been looking for yeah people who who grew up in that somewhat more academic milieu. Um, mm-hmm. And we've talked about before how I consider movies like Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf to be um, almost uh, aspirational because. That's you. All yeah. I can hope for is to is to have conversations like that and to trade insults like that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, who cares if we hate each other? Um, <laughs> so, I, I, I guess I relate more in the in the in the aspiring to something you can't even fully define and like self defeating in every turn in pursuit of that more than I uh, relate to the uh, the self defeating dishonesty of it all. Mm. If that makes sense. Hmm. Can I read you a YouTube comment that that uh, really captures the essence of this movie? Uh-huh. This is by Julie Richardson a year ago. It's the second comment of the on the movie YouTube. Neil Neil Simon has spun his magic again. His characterization of a Jewish couple with not a lot going for them, comma, and Lenny realizing he has made a terrible mistake, ellipsis, by marrying Lila, ellipsis meets the beautiful, rich, and Gentile Kelly is brilliant. Her angry, domineering father, who clearly hates his guts, comma, only to cave at the end, and allowing her to marry him is genius. And that's genius spelled G-E-N-I-O-U-S. I loved this movie in 1972, and I love it today. And then, like, seven periods after that. Hell yeah. An old fan from way back, an old head, maybe perhaps a real head. Let's reach out. How the fuck do you watch that and then just kind of? I don't. I do. I do not understand that sentiment or what they're trying to get across. There must be people that watch that and go, "Ah, fun love story." Very odd. Yeah, yeah. Imagine watching this and being like, "Ah, oh, God." You know, I'm so glad those crazy kids made it. I'm so glad they ended up together. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So the ending is they they get married. Then there's that fucking amazing scene of him talking to the very hoity-toity business people of the Midwest. Oh, so good. And uh, 
He's like, so what uh, What line of business are you in? He's like, I make food for veal uh, to kind of breed a European style of veal. And the joke doesn't really land there, but it very much lands when the next guy he's talking to is like, when Charles Godin's talking to him, he's like, ah, oh, yeah, there must be a lot of money in the tear gas yes. business. Oh, so good. <laughs> Just all these people's money built on blood. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. All, all of these people just <clears throat> in these horrifying businesses. And this is when he begins to be, um, he, he starts to speak exclusively in like a new kind of bullshit. It all starts when he yeah. uh, invites himself over to dinner at the Corcoran house and he's talking about what an honest meal it is. And he's like, there's no deceit oh, in these potatoes. <laughs> there's no lies yeah. in that beef. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a lot like, um, lot like the way in... A new leaf. The the main character kind of bullshits about like Brussels uh-huh. sprouts. Like he's a dumbass, but is trying to play off like he's a smart guy. He does a much better job of it too. He starts talking like a politician. It's like being in a flyover state has immediately like rubbed off yeah. on him. He turns into Mayor Pete. He's immediately like, you know what? We're taking so many things from the earth these days. I want to give something back. And he's he's using all the same platitudes mm-hmm. at the wedding that we've already heard him say at um, yeah at dinner with the family. I, I, and yeah. oh, it just ends on that great shot of him. It, it's exactly like the ending of, of The Graduate in a certain way because it just ends with this like immediately undercuts what ought to be a moment of triumph for the character. And he's got this look in his face like, oh, boy, I'm right back in it again. Huh? What what a horrifying mistake I've made. Just I don't even think he realized that he's just like a moment of like sitting down and he's, you know, the pursuit is over and he's just like staring at the ground. Yeah, there's that too. It's the first time you've ever really seen him at peace. And I wonder if, it, if there's a certain sense of, it's a little like the graduate there too. That, Cause I, I, you, the look on their face in the graduate is kind of like a, well, what do we do now? And I think that's kind of the look we see flash across his face, right? I mean, like we've talked about, he, he's <laughs> someone who's been constantly in motion, constantly like spinning his wheels, constantly, you know, trying to figure out what the next like angle is. And now that he's ostensibly got what he wants, you know, he's sitting there talking to the kids there's nothing left yeah <laughs> yeah nothing talking left to, to the kids giving him this the same platitudes <laughs> about like uh, i think we, the, he he's used the exact same lines on these children uh-huh. oh my god and how about when they're getting married and they pan over to the best man and it's the fucking like old boyfriend <laughs> oh it's a great boyfriend yeah oh god and that's like his last oh, line fuck. i think is after he's talking to the kid and the kid's like well, i'm only 10 and he goes you know i was 10 i think it's like no matter <laughs> Like he, I think he's finally starting to maybe realize like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm never going to be happy. Like it's, it's just asinine that I've been living my life thinking like, well, I should just do whatever I can to get the sort of things that I thought about when I was a kid. And that's what life is all about. Right. Um, it's well, not about, I don't think we can infer too much cause he literally doesn't say anything. I am. I, we, we, we would be remiss not to mention the scene when he breaks the news to Jeannie Berlin. Uh, it goes on for like 12 minutes. They're finally eating this like mm-hmm. lobster and pecan pie that they've been putting off. Um, and like we said earlier, like a, a hackier director would have made a meal of like reaction shots. You get very few during this sequence. It's oh, really yeah. mostly just sitting on the two of them. Very few cuts. And uh-huh. he just, no pun intended, makes a meal of it when he's freaking out about there being no pecan pie. Oh, <laughs> Oh my god. And he he tells her that he wants to get a divorce and then he's like talking through it with her while while she's having a panic attack the entire time. Uh-huh. He's like 
basically going through the grieving process. He's like, you know, we'll get over this. I feel like, you know, even the worst part is over now. You know, like we can go back. You got your own life free. Eddie. Things are going to be easy now. I'll give you the car. And she's still just like recovering from the fact that he just said he doesn't want to be married mm. anymore. He's like, see, this can be okay. And she's like, <laughs> she's like about to throw up and he won't let her leave. Yeah. He just keeps telling her, he's like, I'm going to give you the car. I'm going to give you the house. I'm going to give you all my money. I'm only keeping my savings bonds, everything. This I really am looking out for you. He's like trying to make himself the good guy here too. It's so, so good. Again, just it reflects the degree to which he started to believe, started to buy what he's selling. Uh, he, he, mm-hmm. I, I love too. He says something like, you know, well, I'd like to get this all settled tonight. You know, check out is at 11 tomorrow. <laughs> like he's just still thinking about how <laughs> the logistics of it all. So, so, so good. And then we find out he's left with like $900 to his name. He's talking to his lawyer and he's like, Boy, you really, you really screwed this one up, Leonard. <laughs> this is a very bizarre. There's, it's like a, a very bizarre movie to, like bizarre events to be focused on. There's nothing resolved. Like the whole time, I, I just have no resolve, and he's so uncomfortably gung ho. I can't, I can't. I, I never feel settled until the dad is just like, fuck you, you bullshitter. Mm-hmm. Like, he's the only one recognizing, like, the parts of this movie for what it is, which is, like, a huge fucking joke. Um, like, this guy's just a straight-up liar. But even he's not willing to, like, admit that. And I've had moments where people have been like, I see right through you. And I'm like, I don't think you do. I don't think you do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> God, what does he say? He says, um... Oh, fuck. He says something like, even if you were wearing a, a, a two wool sweaters and a wool coat, I'd see right through you. <laughs> I um, it's, it's crazy to me that this came out so soon after The Graduate because it almost feels as if it's responding to generations worth of people reading The Graduate the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like reading Benjamin as mm. too sympathetic a character and reading that ending as mm-hmm. too unambiguously a positive one. Like this almost seems uh-huh. to be like a... Oh no, no no! This is this is really this is the reality behind the graduate. He is this like he's this creep who's following her to her college. Um, really, yeah, uh, seems true. to be far more into her than she's into him. Um, I like that he's like immediately uh-huh. snapping at her when he's like, "Where's that fucking laugh? I've heard that laugh in twenty uh-huh. fucking minutes." Yo, fuck Septa. Censor me if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> they fucking suck. Oh, uh, sure, about ten more minutes. <laughs> Um, um, I love it that it's just like immediately, and he refuses to accept that this has all just been a fucking fugazi. Like he's just he he's insistent upon turning this into the relationship that he's imagined it is. When he's like in the car with her, and he's just like I don't know, just just begging her to to uh, to be the person that he met in Florida, uh, and mm-hmm. she's clearly like, yeah, you mm-hmm. know, it was fun, but it was two weeks ago. Feels like a long time ago. <laughs> he's all but like calling her an idiot too he's like oh you can't hold on to a memory for more than two weeks he's like he says are you re- are you <laughs> beep um I, I, so again not to be the cinema sense guy she's that wealthy and she commutes to school I guess she's supposed to be like uh, like I don't know especially close to her parents and maybe they would be like sort of like well you know you can live at home but I know. I found that unusual that she's supposed to be like the, the scion of this, like um, I don't know, that she's like an heiress, and I guess uh, drives yeah. to the University of Minnesota every day, <laughs> or, or gets picked up by that meathead. I don't know. 
Um, Ben, you have any thoughts on why this uh, why this hasn't been released? Why it doesn't stand the popular test of time that the Graduate does? Um, I think because honestly, it's 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 too uncomfortable. I feel like this is a a, mm. a less um, sympathetic version of the Graduate. Like I was saying, you know, um, it's if if you made the Benjamin character that much more annoying, that much more like insufferable, that much more in the wrong, he would be Leonard. Um, uh-huh. If you made the ending of the Graduate just a touch more fraught you'd have the ending of this movie um uh-huh and you know what i, I guess ten thousand dollars it's a lot of bats and balls you know who can afford to uh who can afford to release the <laughs> dvd when there's all those bats and balls to buy you know <laughs> yeah this is a strange movie i don't have uh i don't it's uh, Elaine May focuses on on people going through a way of life that isn't exactly clear. Um, I I definitely recognize it, but I don't um, I don't always know what she's getting at. Yeah, I mean, as Rosenbaum points out, and I'm very interested to um, think about Mikey and Nikki in terms of these earlier two movies and, and and see Ishtar for the first time. He points out that all four of her movies are about one half of a couple conspiring to a certain degree against the other one. Um, mm. perhaps her, her pet theme. Um, so I'll be interested to uh, to start talking about Mikey and Nikki on the next episode uh, in its relation to oh, these films. Man, that is a big one. I, I it's among there are a few films I can think of that present a um, relationship between two two heterosexual men as more quasi romantic than that one does. Um, I think like Scorsese's <laughs> Raging Bull is one of the few that that, that comes to mind. Um, so definitely interested to see that one uh-huh. next time. Um, guys, watch it while you still can. Watch The Heartbreak Kid on YouTube. It's a really, really incredible movie. Um, Elaine May deserved a whole lot better than she got from Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, long live Charles Grodin. He's still with us, thank God. Yeah, I definitely uh, I definitely am not done thinking about this. Elaine May is a, is a strange filmmaker that has a lot to say, and I think Mikey and Nikki is going to... Uh, Kind of open our brain palaces up a little bit more to to her power as a director. Speaking of open up your brain palace, have you seen that people like sun tanning their their anus? Have you seen that? Oh yeah, sunning their yoni. Really? I think the more disturbing part was learning that people call it a yoni. Oh, I think yoni is uh, sort of like a gender neutral way to say vagina, because yonic oh. is the vagina version of phallic. Uh, something looks okay, like okay uh, that's very cool so i think it was uh both their yoni and their uh their anus both it's been a wonderful <laughs> uh holiday episode of real rap i want to thank everybody for for coming by and listening on on this christmas day merry christmas everybody oh come all ye faithful Joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Say.
nation 